When it comes to protecting intellectual property, most people think of the Patent and Trademark Office first. But there's a third leg to the IP stool, namely the Copyright Office. It's part of the Library of Congress, and it has a new strategic plan. Joining me with highlights, the Register of Copyrights, Karen Temple. Ms. Temple, good to have you on. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, the strategic plan indicates that even though music and consumption of media and copyrighted types of materials have changed dramatically since the Copyright Act back in 1978, but it sounds like the process for obtaining a copyright is still mired back in the 20th century, and that that's forming part of your plan? Yes, certainly uh, the way that we are um, registering hasn't changed significantly um, over the course of the last 10 years, other than um, we did previously go from a purely paper-based system to register your applications for copyright to an electronic system. But since we now are you know, engaging with many more types of copyrighted works that are digital in nature, um, we haven't, since our first modernization of the office to go from paper to digital, we haven't really improved and used all of the, the new technologies that have been out here in, in probably the last three to five years. Uh, so one of the things that we want to do with the office is really modernize uh, to reflect the way in which copyrighted works on the digital side are now being created and utilized and make it easier for uh, artists and authors to be able to register with us. Now here's a question that struck me while looking through the report, there's a photo in there of a composer, and on the desk in front of her is a musical score. And many works today that might be subject to copyright never really exist in paper form. Does it mean that it's possible to copyright something that was never actually on paper or on some kind of a analog format? Can those receive copyrights such that someone can't write them down and take them? Yes, of course. It is, again, now, nowadays people, um, most people don't have, you know, work with a pen and paper. Uh, they might uh, use a, a computer. They will do either drawing on computer. They will um, do music completely through, um, you know, computerized sound as opposed to writing a, you know, a handwritten notation of a musical score. Uh, so, again, what we want to do is be able to take in all of those works uh, regardless of the way that they have been prepared. Now, of course, under the Copyright Act, there is a requirement that works are fixed. Um, so that just means that in some way the works have to be permanent um, so that we can perceive them, so that we can review them for copyright copyrightability. But they don't have to be fixed in an analog um, manner. They don't have to be fixed on a piece of paper. They can be, you know, a digital file. And that is, you know, again, how many creative um, artists now work completely on the digital side, and they might never. Uh, have a piece of paper that uh, they utilize. And so, yes, we want to be able to take in all of those digital works in an easy way uh, so that we can review them and that they can get, um, you know, formal registration uh, with the U.S. Copyright Office. And not to get too deep into the weeds, but if someone were to file, say, a musical copyright at some point when you get this capability set up and it's only digital, it never saw paper, how can you be sure that is not something that was already filed for copyright that existed on a paper format some years ago. In terms of music, we take in musical works, the publishing side, the song. Um, that's you know the the actual song and, and lyrics. We again we will take that in either through uh, a paper score sheet 
or they can submit actually just the sound recording itself, uh, and they can get um, protection for the underlying mu musical work. Uh, we will also take in uh, this, you know, we will cover copyright protection for the sound recording, which is the, the embodiment of that musical work um, through, um, you know, in, in a, a, a medium. And so they can submit either a digital file with the sound recording to us, or sometimes people will send in, you know, the actual CDs, uh, depending on the requirements, of whether it's published or unpublished, there are um, different requirements for what we need to, to actually get in with the office. Uh, we, when we review, we you know do not necessarily do a review. We're not like the Patent and Trademark Office, so we don't kind of do a prior work review to see whether something else has been um, previously um, published and, and to compare it with the, the work that is coming in. We do request on the application if someone um, is submitting an application for uh, a copyrighted work and they know that it's already, you know, it is incorporating other works that have already been registered with us, they have to disclaim that aspect of that um, work and, and they're really only, you know, copywriting at that stage the new aspects, um, you know, for copyright registration. But we don't do a prior kind of art search, which is what they do in the Patent and Trademark Office. We um, rely on the applicant to, uh, you know, obviously let us know whether there is prior work out there that they need to disclaim and not include in their application process. Certainly, if we know um, that there are other works that have already kind of been out there, if somebody tries to, for example, register a Michael Jackson song and we know about it, uh, we might correspond and ask them, well, why are you suggesting that this is a new work um, and explain to us um, you know, more detail as to what aspects of this song uh, that you are actually uh, sure. registering. So we do sometimes have to ask for additional information. We're speaking with Karen Temple, the Register of Copyrights. And besides the electronic fulfillment and, and copyright registration that you envision, what are some of the other aspects of the new strategic plan? There are six focus areas um, that we are really working on for the Copyright Office strategically for the next four to five years. We've talked a little bit about information technology modernization, which was which is really our primary and most important uh, focus areas. Uh, we think that that will affect everything else that we do in the office. But in addition to IT modernization, we are looking at our business processes internally, so how our workflow is actually working on the on the business side. Uh, modernization in terms of IT is one aspect of it, but to the extent that we need to make improvements to streamline how our office practices occur, we're, we're trying to do that as well at the same time. Some of those might in involve regulatory updates, and so we've issued a number of uh, rulemakings, for example, to update our office practices. We've also updated our compendium of office practices recently, which is a, a guide for um, all of uh, those who are interested in, in, in working with our office. It's a guide of all of kind of the standards by which we will review applications for copyright registration. Uh, and then we are also really trying to ensure that we're getting out there further uh, with our, um, you know, stakeholder community. Uh, so we are focusing on education and engagement. We are um, doing a new webinar series, for example, on modernization. If anybody's interested in that, um, they should uh, definitely uh, go to our website because we're going to be doing every other month webinars on the progress of IT modernization. But we also generally want to um, engage with copyright education so that people understand um, the importance of copyright 
and how they can work with our office um, more effectively. So those are some of the other areas that we're looking at in addition to IT modernization. A lot going on. Give us a sense of the workload. Are the number of copyright applications rising and what kind of volume do you get every year? I don't know that the number of applications are necessarily rising. We do get a, a, a consistent amount of about you know, 500,000 applications we register per year. Uh, but the type, again, of registrations that we're getting are changing in terms of, again, you know, people doing thing, things electronically only uh, so um, or having you know a, a higher volume for example photographers um, now using digital uh, you know photography uh, might need to register a, a lot more um, pictures uh, with us than uh, when they were you know having to register the physical photographs themselves uh, so we are seeing you know really with the revolution in terms of how artists are operating just an increase in the, you know, in the complexity, for example, of the types of works that we see, and so we're trying to meet that. One of the things that we are doing is um, we are we have been hiring additional staff. Uh, so for for many many years, we were really really understaffed in terms of our examiner uh, workforce, and we're really right now at the stage where we're finally feeling that we are getting close to the the optimum staff levels, and so we actually have um, uh, an additional, I think, about um, 18 staff members that are going to come on this year, and that's in addition to 15 staff members um, on the examination side that we hired last year. And what does it require to become a good examiner? That's also a great question. I mean, we have, uh, you know, I think over the course of the, the, the several years in terms of hiring, have really seen um, a high-quality background in terms of the, the, the type of people who are applying to, to be examiners. Um, we have a lot of people who are, you know, artists and musicians, uh, so we have a lot of people who either uh, have music degrees, and, and, and those obviously are a natural uh, fit for our performing arts division, uh, which reviews the musical works and the sound recordings and things like that. So really, uh, you know, to be a good examiner, it, it is somebody who has an interest in copyright, obviously, working at the Copyright Office, um, and, a, and an ability to uh, really be able to quickly review um, the, the, the registration applications, um, attention to detail, and an inquiring mind. Um, are some of the qualities that we see as uh, in terms of the best examiners out there. It's always, again, a benefit if that uh, individual has a particular interest in um, an area uh, that we, you know, will focus on. So, again, we have a lot of people with music degrees that go to our our um, performing arts division. People with literary degrees and, and English degrees often go to our, um, you know, our literary division. So that's also very helpful just as a benefit. Karen Temple is the Register of Copyrights at the Library of Congress. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with you in the future as we continue to progress with respect to all of the initiatives that we have here at the Copyright Office. We'll post a link to the plan and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.